You know, I've heard old folks say, and I heard people saying, oh, it's getting worse. It's getting worse out there. Every time I turn around, whoo, can you believe that? I can't believe what's happening. The president said this, or such such did this, or Israel, this happened, or that happened. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, girl, we gotta, we gotta pray because it's gonna get, and I sit back and I listen to that and I'm wondering like, are you, you're not, you're not shocked, are you? This, this, this is not catching you off guard. You're not, you're not panicking. You're not about to go into to a panic because of what's happening in the world because we know what's about to happen. We have the scripture. God has already told us what's about to happen. It's gonna get worse. Come on, Roe v. Wade. Oh, that's cupcakes. Yes, that's cupcakes. It's gonna get incredibly worse. But what we need to understand that even in the turmoil, as we see the world decay and decay and decay, understand it's going to continue to decay. It's not gonna get better. It can't get better. Because that's not how this thing's supposed to work. So as we see the world get worse, as we see just everything just go away from God as far as it can be, as we see the most worst atrocities being amplified on TV and the news, or even praise, as we see those things, we as a body of Christ have to understand, as world engines have to understand and remember that as everything gets bad, we have to understand that God is still sovereign. As all these stuff come up, we have to understand that the four winds are from heaven. And God is still in control. And as these things get worse, because as we read in chapter 7, there's going to be a fifth kingdom that is going to come and fix all this stuff. Okay? Not yet, but it's coming. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for September 16th, 2018. Today, Pastor Olu brings us a message called World Engines, Daniel and the Beasts from the East. Pastor Olu teaches us about Daniel's dreams and how we are to interpret them. He says that according to the Bible, there are many prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled. But instead of being scared and worried about these things, we are to trust that God is in control of all things because he is a sovereign God. Now, Pastor Olu says that as we see nations rise and fall, we are to remember that God is in control of all. Now, he'll be reading from the book of Daniel, so grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's Word here on Followers of the Way. Uh, Daniel chapter 7. We're actually going to get into Daniel chapter 7 today. Yes, so, I, but this time we're doing it. At least I'm going to read it. Daniel chapter 7, starting at verse 1. Uh, it's been a while since we've been in front of you, just a little context. We're, we're now into the prophetic section where Daniel's gonna get a couple of visions and they're going to be relaying information that's gonna happen to the future. So in the first six chapters of Daniel, what we've seen so far is a couple of things. In chapter one, what God is showing his people, what God is telling us is that living in a pagan empire is possible. We as world engines, we as body, the body of Christ, and in that particular time, the Israelites living in a pagan empire was possible for the believing Israelite. And it is shown that it is possible for us today as believers in Christ, chapter one. In chapter two, Daniel showed us that God's purpose will always remain. Remember Daniel two, Nebuchadnezzar had to dream about the statue and he didn't know what it was. Daniel came and told him what the interpretation was. It was about the kingdoms that were about to come. And the end of that, no matter all these kings that came, the head, the torso, the legs, the feet, there was a stone that was cut without man's hands that was flung at the statue and destroyed and the mountain was built. 
So even no matter what happens, God's plan will always happen and God's kingdom will always reign. We saw that in chapter two. In chapter three, we saw that despite what happens, no matter what the state religion is, no matter what the state government rules are or the laws of the land are, no matter what, God's people, God's purpose for the believer, God's purpose for the believing Israelite would always prevail. And God can cause us and will cause us to survive. And so we saw the three Hebrew boys. Edith went out in all the land, but God kept them and preserved them even from the fiery furnace. In chapter 4, we see that even pagan kings or pagan rulers can be converted. And the Bible shows the conversion of Nebuchadnezzar, who was a pagan, evil, wicked king, but he converted and believed in the almighty sovereign God. And so God showed the Israelites that even in that case, no matter how bad this king or ruler is, no matter what he's done to you, killed your family, stole some boys out of the land, no matter what he's done, he can still be converted. And we can learn that today. In chapter five, we saw that even the, the most pagan of kings or rulers can also not only be converted in chapter four, but can be removed. Belshazzar, he went, got the gold and silver cups from the Israelites, was throwing a party, and the hand showed up and said, it's time, it's about to be over. And that evil, wicked king was removed. And in chapter six, we saw that no matter what the environment is, Daniel was in an anti-God environment. He was in an environment where they were out to get him. No matter what was going on in the political or the, 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 the government structure of the current time, God still protects his own people. And even though Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, God kept him safe and he came out and he was recognized even more. And so what God is showing us in Daniel, it's got to remember it's twofold. He's talking to his people, the Israelites. He's letting them know that all this stuff that's happening, that's going on, I'm still in charge. Remember the key themes of Daniel. God is sovereign. That means he's in charge of everything. Nothing slips past him. And then how we as world engines, how we as believers can live and operate in a world, in an empire, in a climate, in a culture that is anti-God, that is against God. And we see a good example of that of Daniel. So we get to chapter seven. All that has happened. Daniel goes to sleep one night and while he's dreaming, he has a vision and he sees some stuff. The Bible says that in chapter seven, you'll see that he was he turned white. He was so scared and so shocked and so like, oh, my goodness, that he turned white. And he didn't understand what was going on. And so we're going to talk about a little bit what was going on in uh, Daniel chapter seven. Side note. Come over here for the side note. Yes, yeah, that's what you know. It's a side note. It's in parentheses. Whenever people look at biblical prophecy, there's always a lot of tendencies. One of the tendencies is to try to figure out what every single piece, word, phrase, idea means, and then try to relate that or come up with the reason or the interpretation of it on the spot. So what you're going to have is if you do a study on Daniel or in Revelations, you're going to find at least 800 billion quadrillion books on interpretations of what Daniel meant, what the visions mean, what revelations mean. About three of them might agree, but there's so many different interpretations of what it means, what it could mean. What happens is sometimes people get so caught up that they lose the meaning of what the message is. Okay, so there are very real predictions, very real prophecies of what this is going to happen, this is going to happen. But in that, what I want to concentrate on is what is the general context? What's the message that God is trying to relay to the people then and to us today? 
So if this was a Sunday school class, if this was a Bible study, we'd spend about, and this is uncharacteristically, we'd spend about maybe two years in Daniel chapter 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Of course, we, we, our cultures do nothing like that. But if it was, it would be a long time because there's so many things you can break down as to what went on. But we're not going to get too detailed today. Might be get a little bit, but not too detailed. But I wanted to, to do that little sidebar to understand that. And I want us to look as we read Daniel 7 all the way through the rest of this book. Constantly ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, to show you what God has for you out of this. There's a reason that God put this in the 66 collection of books. Okay? There's a reason he put this there. There's a reason for us. And so I ask you to, as we look at it, to pray, ask Holy Spirit, reveal what is the message that I'm supposed to have today and how is I'm supposed to apply my life to this so I can live a life holy and pleasing unto God. Daniel chapter 7, I shall now read it. Verse 1, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. So here's the first thing. So if you look at the timeline of Daniel, you go from when he was captured, Nebuchadnezzar, Hebrew boys, Daniel's in the lion den. Uh, Belshazzar comes. Cyrus comes after Belshazzar. Remember, they came and they snuck underneath the gate through the water, destroyed everything. And then now Cyrus is king. Over. That was the end of chapter 6. Chapter 7, Daniel goes back to when Belshazzar was still talking, was still king. And so we're kind of going back in history, and he's telling you something that happened before the hand came out, the writing on the wall, before Cyrus came and destroyed everything. So we're going back. Remember that. We're going back to 552 B.C. That's what we're going back to. Vision of chapter 7. Just a quick reminder. You're all aware that how time went back in the day? So they went down. It was like a countdown. It was like 500, 400, 300, 200, 100, zero. And then it went 100, 200, blah, 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 right? So this is when Jesus showed up, somewhere around there. And so we're talking this vision happened at 552. So right here is where chapter 7's vision is. These are hundreds of years all the way down to... Zero. All right. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and the vision of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my visions by night and behold, the four winds of heavens were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts came out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I looked and its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear. And it was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on his back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. 
and behold, in the horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked, the thrones were placed. King James says the thrones were cast down or thrown down. And the ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head was pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. And the court sat in judgment and the books were open. And I looked then because of the sound of the great words of the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. And as for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away. Key words here. But their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And I saw in the night vision and behold, the clouds of heaven, there came like a son of man. Hallelujah. And he came to the age of the days and he was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. OK, so Daniel has this dream. And he has this vision. And in this vision, we read some of the things that came out. What's happening here is that, I'm not, and I'm quoting something, with eye-opening precision and impeccable accuracy, Daniel interprets or displays a dream or vision that he's seen that forecasts the entire course of the Middle East history. In that one vision, he sees everything that's about to happen. Some people say even from then all the way up to the second coming of Christ, wrapped up in that one vision that he had. So you remember in chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He had a dream of a statue and the statue had a head and it had arms. I'm gonna cheat right here, legs and feet, there we go. Okay, I remember how the head was Babylon and then the torso was another kingdom that was going to come and destroy. And then the leg was another kingdom that was going to come and destroy. And then this was another part of the kingdom that was going to come. And then a big rock was going to come and destroy all the kingdoms and grow into a mountain and take over. Well, what we have in chapter 7 is a vision that seems to mirror, mirror the same concepts. So we have four sections. Daniel told them that we're talking about kingdoms. And here in chapter 7, we have four beasts that come up. And you're going to see, as you keep reading in chapter 7, Daniel talks to an angel. Hey, what did I just see? <laughs> what in the world is going on? You see that? It's funny. Uh, not funny, haha, -ha, but funny in verse 15. As for me, Daniel, after you saw all this, my spirit within me was anxious and the visions in my head alarmed me. And I approached one of those who said, then asked him the truth concerning this. He was like, what in the world is going on? What is this? And then the angel goes on and tells him. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall rise out of the earth. The saints of the most high shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. And so one thing we don't have to guess is what do these beasts represent? Daniel just straight up asked him, okay, before I go crazy, what did I just see? And the angel told him these beasts represent kingdoms. So we got that. 
We can put a check in that box. We know what each of these beasts represent for kingdoms. When you look at the kingdoms that were represented in chapter two, they were represented a certain way. Okay, it was a statue and it was a tall statue. And so um, it was depicted in the form of a man. I like the way I was reading one commentary and it says that in chapter two, the future events were depicted through the eyes of man, how man would see the kingdoms. So we got a nice, tall man, strong, made of gold and, and the different metals and silver and iron and bronze. And oh, my goodness. So, so statuous. But when God we get to chapter seven, the vision of the future kingdoms are represented as vicious, horrible beasts. And so you look how God views what's about to happen, different than how man would view that. It looked at it as a glorious, imposing spectacle, but God viewed it as a type of vicious beasts that depict immorality, brutality, and depravity. And so we're about to see these things. Let's go to verse two. And I saw, this is Daniel, and I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of heavens were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts came out of the sea different from one another. I like to pause right there and just look at the concept. So this is a visual section of scripture. So try to visualize in your head what he's seen. He says he saw by vision tonight, the four great winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. As I read that, I started thinking about, did anybody see any of the images of uh, Hurricane Florence? You see any of those pictures or, or those videos? You see how crazy, and of course we're in Florida, so we've seen hurricanes before. You see how crazy that water is? How it's, you know, you go out to the beach, it's like, oh, we're having fun with the beach. And the wave, ooh, the wave's going to get me. But when the hurricane comes, <laughs> when that great wind comes, it's picking up thousands and thousands and thousands of gallons, I'm going to say pounds, of water. And it's just turmoil. And it's just, just wreck enough to, to pick up cars, to take buildings down, to shift entire cities, flood everything. So you think about the great sea, think about the ocean. Think about when hurricanes, that's the most powerful wind we can think of. But when we look at this, Daniel was saying, I saw and behold, the great four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And so we just picture the ocean and the sea just in turmoil. The great winds of heaven represent who is stirring this? Who is controlling this? That wind didn't come from nowhere. Daniel said he saw the great wind from heaven. And so that tells me that represents that heavenly powers and heavenly forces are the ones who are dictating what's happening with all of these kingdoms that are coming up. And so even though we've got these ghastly and vicious and brutal beasts that are coming up and Daniel's going to tell you some of the vicious things that they're doing. The Bible says that Daniel looked and he saw the great winds of heaven were storing up. The four winds of heaven were storing up the sea. In the midst of turmoil, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of total destruction. What we as believers need to understand, what Daniel was trying to relate to the people there, that in the midst of what we're about to see, we're about to see some crazy, vicious, vile, horrific things about to happen. But understand, even in the midst of that, heaven is still in charge. 
God is still the one that's orchestrating. Even as all this stuff happened, the sovereignty of God, remember the context of Daniel, the sovereignty of God is still there. And so as chaos and, 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 and confusion and the most horrible things you could think of are going on, we as believers, the Israelites need to understand, as you're about to go through this stuff, don't lose sight of the fact that God is still sovereign. And he's still working this thing out. And even though the seed looks just terrible and vicious and stuff that's going on, understand that. The great ocean and if you look through scriptures, you can look in Revelations and some other parts of scriptures. When you see the great ocean, sometimes the world or even the heathen world is referred to as an uh, ocean or the world's people. That's a, in Revelation chapter 17, you can see that. And so what you have is the image of some overflowing waters and rivers and mighty waves. And it's giving this designation of a concept of these kingdoms, these invading armies that are going to come up. And they're going to come and wipe out everything in their sight, just like a hurricane, just like the water from a hurricane. What's the other one um, that knocked out somewhere in the east somewhere? Typhoon. Yeah. Y'all seen some videos of that thing, what it was doing? I mean, it would just come. You see a city, it would hit it and pull back, and the city gone. Like everything was gone within seconds. This is what Daniel was seeing. And he's sitting, that's why he said, I look and I was anxious, like, oh, snap. <laughs> What did I just see? What's about to go down? And so when we look at is these worldly kingdoms, these kings that have come up, they are thrown up like rubbish from the restlessness of human wickedness. And God views this as some type of beast. Not cool and calm like this nice statue that was coming up, but God's portraying these kingdoms that are coming up out of this terrible ocean, like animal-like. We need to understand that. What Daniel's about to tell is everything that's about to happen in the future. And what we need to understand is that, you know, I've heard old folks say, and I heard people saying, oh, it's getting worse. It's getting worse out there. Every time I turn around, whoo, can you believe that? I can't believe what's happening. The president said this, or such and such did this, or Israel, this happened, or that happened. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, girl, we got we to gotta pray because it's going to get. And I sit back and I listen to that, and I'm wondering, like, are you, you're not, you're not shocked, are you? This, this. It's not catching you off guard. You're not, you're not panicking. You're not about to go into to a panic because of what's happening in the world because we know what's about to happen. We have the scripture. God has already told us what's about to happen. It's going to get worse. Talk about Roe v. Wade? Oh, that's cupcakes. Yes, yeah, that's cupcakes. It's going to get incredibly worse. God shows Daniel, you want to know how worse it's going to be? I got these four beasts. One is a lion with wings on his back. I never seen that. <laughs> never seen that. That one was a bear. The Bible said the bear came out, and when he, the bear came out, he had flesh still in his mouth, and he was still eating up stuff. The third one came out, it was a leopard, or I like another translation, a panther. And I like to think of him as a black panther, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, <laughs> a panther or a leopard came out. The leopard had four wings on his back. Then the fourth beast was so viciously insane that there was no animal in the New York Brooklyn Zoo or anybody else's zoo to relay this beast to. But I said the beast, had, I call it the 504 beast. The beast had four layers of iron teeth, like grill on grill on grill on grill. And it was so crazy that Daniel couldn't even describe it. 
Remember, he described a eagle lion, <laughs> a panther leopard eagle flying bear, but he could not describe this fourth beast because it was so insane. What's about to happen is going to be so incredible. But what we need to understand that even in the turmoil, as we see the world decay and decay and decay, understand it's going to continue to decay. It's not going to get better. It can't get better because that's not how this thing's supposed to work. So as we see the world get worse, as we see just everything just go away from God as far as it can be, as we see the most worst atrocities being amplified on TV and the news or even praise, as we see those things, we as a body of Christ have to understand, as world engines have to understand and remember that as everything gets bad, we have to understand that God is still sovereign. As all these stuff come up, we have to understand that the four winds are from heaven and God is still in control. And as these things get worse, because as we read in chapter seven, there's going to be a fifth kingdom that is going to come and fix all this stuff. OK, not yet, but it's coming. Don't be shocked. Don't be afraid. Don't be caught off guard. There is nothing that we can do to keep this from happening. There's nothing president could do. There's nothing the group going to do. There's nothing the next president is going to do. This is the direction that we are headed in. We, as a body of Christ, need to remember who controls the winds. Remember Matthew chapter 8? The disciples in the boat and the, the, a storm hit. And the Bible said they were about to die. They said, oh, we're about to die. This is it. It's a wrap. That's how bad it was. Water is vicious. You ever been... We've been on cruises before. Some have been on cruises before. You see the nice water, nice and peaceful. You're out there in the middle of nowhere. Think of being out there in the middle of nowhere and a hurricane come. Category 10, let's just say. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. You know, no question, it's a wrap. We have to understand as that was going on, the disciples went up and they got Jesus. Jesus came up and said, why are you, what's going on, guys? The Bible said he just spoke to the wind and he spoke to the waves and he said, peace. Chill. And the disciples say, when everything stopped, what manner of man, who in the world is this that even a Category 10 hurricane stops for him? That's who we serve. As you go through life as hard times, as, as difficult times, as the worst of times come, we as the body of Christ, we need to take comfort in understanding of who owns the wind and who owns the waves. It is the sovereign El Shaddai God. And as things happen, be it good, be it bad, things that we cannot control, we need to understand who is in charge. And that's who we put our faith in. You see, the Israelites, what Daniel was telling them was not that God is going to come and save you from this. So don't worry, these beasts ain't going to do nothing to you. No. The message was, oh, the beasts are coming. And they're going to kill, and they're going to destroy, and they're going to murder, and they're going to wipe out, and they're going to rip you apart for generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. You will go through this, and you will be hurt, and you will die. But even in all that, understand that God is still controlling the four winds. And even in your pain and your suffering and your punishment and all that is happening, 
We as believers need to understand, though I go through this, God is still in control. And if he was able to protect the three Hebrew boys from the fire, if he was able to protect Daniel from a den of lions, you see how all this wraps together? What God is showing his people is that even though all this stuff is happening, see, the three Hebrew boys, they got thrown in the fire. It wasn't like they looked at the fire and said, I'm going to throw you in there. Oh, they didn't. No, they got thrown in the fire. Daniel didn't get, hey, look at the lions then, you better trip. No, he got thrown in there. But God rescued and God showed. It was a concept that God was showing his people that even though these things are going to happen to you, I still got you. You're going to go through this, but I still got you. If you look at these beasts, each beast were ferocious and powerful, and they were symbols of powerful, like warlike dynasty, characterized by strength and greed. Now, I had some issues studying for this message because I really like history. I hated history class in school, but now I like history. I like going back and seeing. So as I'm reading this, I'm also reading what's going on in history with each of these beasts. And I'm getting caught up and getting too deep into what's going on with the Greeks and the Romans. I said, okay, wait a minute, I'm studying for a message. I have, to, I have to come back. So I got a lot of information that's floating around in my head. And so I'm gonna make sure I keep it to what we're gonna talk about today. <laughs> Somebody laughed because that's just not how it works. So anyway, so the first beast, verse three, the four great beasts came out of the sea different from one another. Verse four, the first beast was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I looked and its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. We know this first beast fills the criteria of Babylon. So Babylon was the first one that came through. And though the Syrians and so many people were attacking Israel before, Babylon was the first one that came through and just wiped everything out. So, OK, we done and snatched the folks up. And so this first beast represents Babylon. So we got a lion. I'm not going to draw a lion. Too late. I am drawing a lion. So we got a lion. It's a mad lion. He's mad. Yeah, it's a mad lion. All right. So we got a lion. You got a lion. Yeah, it's, it's not a game. It's not a game with this lion. All right, so we got a lion, and the lion has wings. All right, so we got a lion with eagle wings, and this lion represents Babylon. So we don't going to spend a lot of time on Babylon because we've been in chapter 1, 3, 3, 4, 5, 6. So we've been talking a lot about Babylon. Um, we did a little history at the beginning of this, show how Babylon came and conquered. So I won't spend a lot of time with this, but I do want to point out a couple of things. One, the lion represents the destructive power, and the wings, about to say, the wings of an eagle. So you have the two kings in the animal world, the king of the beasts, are is the lion. The king of the birds is the eagle. And so you have the king of the beasts and the king of the birds. They combine here. What you have here is strength and swiftness. So you got the strength of the lion and you got the swiftness of the eagle and the majesty, that's it, that it brings with it. It symbolizes power. So you have the most powerful beast that walks on the ground. You have the most powerful bird that flies in the air. And what we have is Babylon. Another cue to let us know that we're talking about Babylon is what it says. It says that of this, I looked, the wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. Remember Daniel chapter four? What happened to Nebuchadnezzar? He came out and looked at Babylon and said, look at Babylon that I've created. I'm the greatest. Bam. Turned to an animal. The Bible says he was out there for years, crawling on the ground, fingernails grew, hair grew all over his body. He was eating grass like an animal. 
until he looked up and confessed. We talked about that. And the Bible says he stood up and his mind returned to him. And so what Daniel was pointing here, what God was showing Daniel, I'm talking about Babylon right now. This is what happened. So we have a vicious beast that's going to come in. It's powerful. It's majestic. But its wings are going to get clipped. Some of its power going to be taken away. Craziness. It's going to get a mind like a man. And we're going to move on from there. So that was the first one. Chapter verse four. Then we get down to verse five and behold, another beast, a second one like a bear. And it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in his mouth between his teeth and was a toad. Here's a point I want to point out. It was told. It was told. As these beasts are vicious. Think about this. You got to remember the imagery. So you're still thinking about a category 10 hurricane. Okay. You're thinking about the water, the waves, 100, 200, 500, 5,000 feet waves that are coming. Out of this crazy turmoil, these huge beasts are coming out of this. So you're seeing it. So the second beast comes out, and it says it was told. This is, again, God letting us know. These beasts aren't doing what they want to do. These beasts aren't just giving permission to just go, whatever you think. It was told, the Bible says, devour much flesh. Even in their beastly viciousness, each of these world empires are still under the control, under the authority, under the sovereignty of the almighty God. So as we see nations rise and nations fall, Daniel wants us to know, Daniel wants the Israelites to remember that God is still the one in charge. Don't get it twisted. Don't get so caught up that you see this. He said it, it was told arise and devour much flesh. And so now we have this second beast that comes out and we know through history. Now remember, this was here. This is what was going on there. So this, this is when he was having these visions, 552 B.C. So the second beast that comes out is the second empire that came off after the Babylonians. And as we know, it was the Persian dynasty. Now, the Persian dynasty popped up right around 539. So we're somewhere around, if this is 552, somewhere around here, Persians show up. I remember it was the Medes and the Persians. So the Persians show up and they represent like a bear. I'm not going to try to draw a bear because I've, I've never drawn a bear. I've drawn those before. But I've never drawn a bear. See, that's not even, that doesn't even look like a bear. See, I don't even, see, that's not a bear. It's a bear. That looks like a happy bear. It's, this bear actually looks friendly. There's nothing vicious about this bear. Let's, yeah. We're going to try to make him vicious. He's, he's mad. There we go. That's a fang. It's a, it's a long fang bear. Yeah, that's, that's what we're looking at. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> it's a terrible bear. So we got a bear. Um, bears represent the means of the Persian. It was told to eat much flesh between his teeth. So we got a lot of things between his teeth. What does that mean? The Bible says raised to one side. What does that mean? There's a lot of different interpretations of what that could mean. I read a lot of them. Some of them, I think, were kind of consistent. Raised to one side is one of those things it could be. If you remember, it was the Medes and the Persians. So raised to one side could reference the fact that the Persians was the stronger of the two. And so raised to one side could mean that. Uh, there's some other interpretation. I won't get into all of them. Um, the point is, is that we have the Persians, or the Persian Empire, the Medes and the Persian, and the leader there was Cyrus. 
He was the first king. The Bible talks about this beast. And see, had it had ribs in his mouth already. And it was told to rise and devour. And so this kingdom came through. I wanted to point out, so we're talking about what happened in the, in the Middle East. So Babylon came. And you see, this is Israel sitting right around there. There's Jerusalem. So Babylon came and they took over this section of the world. So Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, they were running what was the majority part of the known world at that time. Okay? So as you see, the lion with wings, they took over. As each beast goes, they take on a little different characteristics. And so when the second kingdom, the bear, the Medes and the Persians came, that's what their kingdom was. So not only did they have that section there, they took over all this section. They went in and took up Egypt. They went in and took up Lydia. And they came all the way across over to India, to the first part of India. So we go from there to there. So when we talk about a bear, what do we know about some characteristics of a bear? Where the lion, you think of a lion, you think more thoughtful, more strategic. Bears, they just bears. It's just rawr. That's, that's what's popping. You see bears at, at campsites and they go in people's houses, kicking in doors. They not really, just, a lion is like, hmm, I think I'll destroy him. Then I'll do this. Very tactful. Bears just like, I'm a bear. Rawr. And it's just, just crazy. And that's what happened. We went from here to just taking over everything. And they went and they destroyed everything in its path as it went on. It says it was told to eat much prey. When we look at history, Persia was known with bear-like savagery. They slaughtered. Cyrus was a king who slaughtered his way to power. Such that Persia became, at its time, the most largest empire in its time. He went and he took out Babylon, Lydia, which was big at that time, Egypt, and Assyria. One thing we know about, and we think about the vicious incident, one thing we know about the, the Persians, they had these guys called the royal immortals in their army. They were called the royal immortals. They were called that because what would happen, why they would fight, if you would kill one, one would appear right after that one died. And the armies they would fight would be like, okay, I just killed that dude. How did that one just pop up out of nowhere? Such that they were given the name royal immortals. There were so many of them. They had archers who could shoot uh, up to 10 arrows a minute. So think, not as fast as Legolas. What's his name? Legolas, not as fast as Legolas. Yeah, pretty fast. So they, had, they could shoot 10 arrows a minute. They had 50,000 archers in their army. So think 50,000 archers who could shoot up to 10 arrows a minute. You multiply that, what you have there is half a million arrows a minute are flying at you. Half a million arrows every minute. This is why they were able to <laughs> take over the known world at the time. This is the vicious, ferocious bear that Daniel saw come out of the ocean. The Bible goes on and, and history goes on to tell us different things. They were brutal, the Syrians, I'm sorry, the Persians, they were brutal. I have so many stories I could tell. I'll tell a couple real quick. This one guy, he was a judge. And this is to tell you how vicious these guys were. He was a judge, and he took a bribe. So the judge in Persia took a bribe. So the king found out, and he said, you know, we don't do that. And so just to show you how we don't do that, he took 
the judge who took the bribe, he killed him. And by killed him, they, they flayed them. You know what flaying is? Like you fillet a fish. You take the, the skin off. So that's how they killed him. They took the judge and they took a very sharp knife and they, while he was alive, peeled his skin off. But they kept it intact. They took his skin and they made a chair. And they took the human skin chair and they made that the new seat where the judge sits. So that every judge who sits in that chair knows never take a bribe. Guess who the next judge was? That guy's son. So every day that guy's son had to come sit in his daddy chair and judge. These guys weren't playing. These guys weren't playing. They used to do this thing called the triple death, where they would take you and they would first pull your eyes out. Then they would nourish you back so you wouldn't die. Then they would fillet you, take your skin off, but then put other stuff on you to keep you from dying while your skin was off. So you're sitting there with all your organs and flesh out. Then they would throw you into this ash pit, which is burnt ashes, and watch you suffocate as you try to fight out, sucking in ashes. They, they were vicious. One thing they did, they, if you did something really, really bad, they forced you to eat your own children. That's, I'm just want to show you the bear that was coming. So when Daniel said that he saw this vicious, ferocious bear that was coming and was going to wipe nation, remember, all this is about these guys right here, Israelites. This is all the stuff that they were going through they were going to endure. They came through and they did this. Bible says about Persia, they were so powerful that enemies would surrender before the battle would start. They had the most advanced weapons. They had self-sharpening swords. That while they were still in the battle, the sword would sharpen itself so they could keep going. This is the enemy that was coming up next. It was the largest empire the world had ever seen up to that time. We've got to stop here. But I want you to remember what Daniel heard God say to that beast. And it was told to devour. No matter the, the, the viciousness, and this picture doesn't do it justice. <laughs> I got that. But no matter the viciousness of these people that were coming, nation after nation after nation, Daniel, God wanted Daniel to be able to let the children of Israel know that I, God, am still in control. I'm writing, I'm telling you what's about to happen. And the exciting about, part about this, the climax, is when we get to the fifth kingdom and what that fifth, who that fifth kingdom is and what that fifth kingdom does. But before we get there, we have to understand what's about to happen. This thing is so incredibly accurate that it proves so many things. First of all, the Bible is true, such that you have scholars out there who are saying, okay, that can't be written. So what scholars say is that this book couldn't be written back here. They say that Daniel, this section, had to be written around here. Because it's impossible for Daniel here to know about this kingdom, to know about the Greeks who are coming next, and know about the Romans who are coming next before they actually came. Because of the accuracy that this prophecy gives. But we know the scripture is true. And we know that as we talked about God is sovereign. And we know that God can does what he wants when he wants, and he is still in control. And so as we pause here in the middle, remember that as we go through the rest of this. We should take that as comfort when hard times come. We should take that as a comfort in good times. 
And we should take that as knowing that what God's word is true. And so I, as a believer, should be doing what Daniel was doing. We got the history. We got the playbook. We got the cliff notes. We got the back of the book. We know what's about to happen. But there are hundreds and thousands of people out there who do not. And our responsibility as a body of Christ is to be that light, is to show them, is to tell them, is to be God's kingdom here as each one of these kingdoms come. And so let's continue to do that as a church, guys. Let's continue to be that light. Let's continue to represent who God is in our lives and our talk and our conversations. And as we look through the rest of Daniel, I'm going to try to pick it up a bit. But as we look through the rest of Daniel, let's constantly remember what those themes are as we move forward. God, we love you. We thank you, God, for being sovereign. We thank you for being control, God, of the wind and the rain and the storms, God, in our lives and as we see in the world. We thank you, God, as we see turmoil and crazy stuff happening. We don't have to fret. We don't have to lose faith. We don't have to lose focus. We don't have to panic because we know, as you said in Daniel, you told the beast to do thus and so. And out of the great four winds of heaven came these things, God. So we know you're in control, God. I pray, God, on our personal lives, as things go, they might not be as big as hurricane, uh, 10 hurricanes, God, but as little things happen, the little nuances and anomalies happen in our lives, God, that we won't lose faith and lose panic and lose hope and fret and go crazy, but that we will be peaceful, God, knowing that you are in control, knowing that you have a, not only a purpose for our lives, God, but you have dictated that these things are happening and your word said you have given us all we need to live godly and fruitful lives in this present age. We thank you for that, God. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.